Hi, this is Carrie Halstead. Welcome to another episode of I Guess We're Grownups Now. Links for this episode, and there are quite a few very interesting ones, are at goodstuff.fm slash grownups slash five. You can find I Guess We're Grownups Now on Twitter at grownups underscore fm. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes, where you can rate and review the show as well. If you are new to Good Stuff or to I Guess We're Grownups Now, there is a good overview of the Good Stuff Podcast Network at the Dailyish Podcast, episode 48. Chris Enns does a good overview of what we're all about. If anyone would like to sponsor I Guess We're Grownups Now or Good Stuff, please do find the podcast page on goodstuff.fm slash grownups and click on the sponsor link to get in touch. The acknowledgement of this episode is to Kathy Sierra, otherwise known as Serious Pony on Twitter. Kathy is a huge inspiration to me as a woman involved in the internet, and I really miss you, Kathy. The quote of the episode goes to Frank Chimero from his essay, There Go the Grownups. Frank says, I look forward to fewer noun-based versions of adulthood, spouse, house, kids, and more verb-based versions of adulthood. The future is a lot less scary if you believe an adult is someone who wields autonomy, empathy, and responsibility with an even hand. All right, this episode is two women talking happily about birth control, arguably the most important and positive confluence of medicine, sociology, economics, and politics to happen to humanity. The episode will contain profanity and a discussion of periods and pregnancy. It's by women and for the most part, for women, although you'll probably find it interesting if you're simply genuinely interested in women. For example, if you're in a relationship with one or ever plan to be. Information sharing is an important part of handling the complexities involved in adulthood. Anyone who's ever been through something new will tell you that finding that someone else is also going through it is emboldening and sharing stories with them is encouraging. And that's what this episode is. Another good podcast that had an episode about birth control is Sawbones. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. I definitely recommend you listen to Sawbones. I hope you like learning things and laughing your asses off because here we go. There again is no theme music. There is no theme music worthy of the awesomeness that is the following conversation. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to episode five of I Guess We're Grownups Now. Today I am joined by... Kate Daly. Hi, Kate. Hey, how you doing, Carrie? Good. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. Uh, I'm totally excited to have you on because you're like a new internet friend that oh yeah that we like we don't know each other really at all, but we're like long lost sisters, and it's awesome. I know. I love that. It, it it's just felt so natural. I mean, seriously. And every once in a while, that happens. Right. It it and does. And I'm so it happy that it happened. I think at some point we're going to have, and I guess we're grownups now, about making friends as adults. Oh, that's cool. Isn't Wouldn't that be a neat episode? Because I, I mean, oh, the, we all go through that, unless you're still hanging out with your friends from high school, which, whatever, you don't belong listening to this podcast, if that's the case. But, <laughs> but anyway, today is not that episode. What's today's topic, Kate? We're going to be talking about birth control, Carrie. Yay! <laughs> so, 
Well, we're acting <laughs> all girly right now. We're serious. And uh, we're very serious. If you're squeamish, miss, this is maybe not the episode for you. But this is not, we're not doctors. Are you a doctor? No. No, I'm, I'm not, not a doctor either. So this yeah. is not a medical, this is not medical advice. This is just our stories. Yes. Right. So. Yes. Um, and if you're a guy, you will probably still find this interesting, probably because you might not know that much about birth control. And we're just going to be honest about everything we know about birth control and our experience with it. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It should be fun. <laughs> I know it will be. I can't wait. I can't wait. So before we dive in, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm 39 years old and that's cool. And I grew up in West Virginia and I live in the Pittsburgh area now. And I work remotely for a digital experience agency as a, a project manager. And a lot of people use the, the term digital PM. I still hang on to software PM, even though that's not entirely accurate. But I run project teams, work with clients, etc. And um, my personal life, I have um, two kids. They're six and eight. And I also play bass in a local band. And it's exciting because that band is starting to get more shows and take off. And it's, um, it's just a pretty fun part of my extracurricular life. Cool. Yeah. Being in band is always cool. There's nothing yeah, uncool totally. about that. Awesome. Yeah. What, what about, I guess we're grownups now, have you found to be interesting and pertinent to you? Oh, I think just, just the idea of the show was really interesting to me when I first, um, because I've been like a, a good stuff fangirl for a while and I catch, um, Terp when I can and, you know, started listening to Kyle's program transmission. And, um, so when I, when I saw that there was a new podcast and it was going to be done by a woman, I got really excited. And then I, found out your topics and I listened to your first show and took notes <laughs> like actual notes. I'll, I'll share them with you. Yeah. <laughs> but on your topics, because, because you had encouraged people to listen right. and pick a topic that, you know, that would interest them. So I wanted to make sure that I took a note, uh, with all the topics so that I could reach out to you. That's so awesome. I'm, I'm glad that worked out. I know. You, you literally tweeted me, ask me about my IUD. So I will ask you about your oh, IUD eventually. I, yes. Yes. <laughs> ah, that has such a funny story too. Yes. So, so as, a, as a way of easing ourselves into the topic, we, we thought we would share with each other photographs of ourselves pregnant. Um, yes. So each of us has two kids, so we've both been pregnant. So um, you have shared with me a picture of you. I'm going to click on the link right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. Obviously, these will be in the links at uh, goodstuff.fm slash grownups slash five. There is an amazing picture of Kate holding a flesh colored. <laughs> exercise ball in your lap one would think wow that is impressive so i'm going to put in the skype chat a link to my picture all right so is there a story behind your picture oh 
that's you. Yes. Where are you? So um, my picture is a photograph that was taken in my workplace at IBM when I um, worked in uh, the Toronto lab office. And we had a guest speaker one one day when I happened to be seven months pregnant. And that guest speaker was um, Toronto Raptor basketball player, Morris Peterson. And, <laughs> and afterward he signed um, autographs. And I just happened to have an eight by 10 of Morris Peterson that oh, I got autographed. And so what is happening in the photograph is he is rubbing my pregnant belly. He, he asked permission, which you should always oh, good, do good. when approaching even a pregnant woman, you know, if, if you don't know the pregnant woman, by the way, do not even ask to touch her belly. Like, just yeah. don't just put it out of your mind. You are not touching that woman. Um, if you know somebody, um, you can touch her. I guess if you're famous, if you're a famous basketball player, you may also ask <laughs> to, to rub a pregnant person. Because <laughs> he asked and I'm like, yeah, of course you like, can. Sure. And there just happened to be a photographer standing there capturing oh all goodness. of this. I was so lucky. So uh, just for the record, he scored like 30 points that night. Of course. Which was a career high for him. Wow. Yeah. He had a, an amazing game that, that day. So that, that's great. That's mm, really great. That's my story. And he gave me um, his hat that he's wearing in that picture. Really? So, Do you still have it? Oh, yes. Yep. Excellent. It's autographed. And uh, yeah. I like how the other guy in the photo is like, oh, you know, and he's like drinking his pop yeah. or whatever. Is that even like name brand pop? Is that I, a Coke? I, I can't tell if it's like I a fake either. But yeah, he's and then the next picture, if you go, if you scroll back one in okay. the same to like to the left, there's me with the oh hat my now God. on my head, giving him the OK sign because he oh. autographed my photo and my pregnant belly very much smiling at us. That's awesome. It is a Coke in the guy's hand. The hand oh, yeah. Yeah, you can see that in yeah. this one. Yeah. And there's nachos there. I think there's nachos in I this book. I think you're right, yeah. Morris <sighs> Peterson's eating nachos and rubbing pregnant ladies' bellies. <laughs> but... <laughs> um, since you asked... Pregnancy pants. Yes, so tell about me about my your photo. Yeah. Um, I was very, very excited to document my pregnancy. And this is kind of a long-term thing for me. When I was younger, I got a camera in third grade. We're all not, excuse me, it was fifth grade, fifth grade. And I wanted my parents to document everything. I, I documented, you know, slumber parties, um, last days of school, etc. And so documenting things with photographs has always been a part of my life. And of course, when I was pregnant, I thought, oh, well, this is the thing you document, right? Right. So um, I have photos like going back to like 14 weeks when I thought I was giant and I wasn't giant. And so as um, I got larger and larger and was very, very proud of my belly, um, I asked my then husband to take more and more photos. And um, there's a companion photo to this that I, that I will share eventually, but it's like me looking up at the camera. Mm -hmm. But I really like this one because you can see the enormity of my belly. Mm -hmm. And you can also, and I think my hair looks really good. It look, does look stunning. Doesn't it's, it look nice yeah. and full? Mm -hmm. I remember that was such a wonderful side effect. Yeah. Were you I taking guess. multivitamins? Um, I was. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I went to midwives, so they were like, yeah, you know, they were cool about it, Mm -hmm. but they weren't like super prescription heavy or invasive heavy. Right. So um, I really enjoyed being with them. What I love about this photo is is how everything is brown. It's it's visually visually amazing. The beautiful, warm, chocolate brown. And also the camel. Wait a minute. The camel. Oh, is it on the piano? The camel's on the piano. Okay. It's beautiful. It's a thing of beauty. It's a perfect photo, really. Thank you. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Look at that camel. You would think that that camel was from like a nativity scene. Nativity scene. That's what I was guessing. However, that is something, the house that that I'm in in this picture was my ex-husband's grandmother's house. We lived there. And there were several things like that camel there. (laughs) Uh, And the Ikea lamp in the back. Yeah, that's good. It's a good photo. Okay, so birth control. Let's let's sort of go through the what have you what have you used? What was the first kind of birth control that you ever used? First was definitely educated rhythm method. <laughs> right. Because yeah. I had, you know, access to Seventeen magazine and a copy of everything you always wanted to know about sex but were afraid to ask. Okay. That I found on a bookshelf at my parents' house. Like a secret bookshelf, like the bookshelf that's like in a closet. I need to go back to their house and find the book because it's, um, there's an episode of The Wonder Years where Kevin finds that book. It was very much like his experience where you find the book and you want the book and you're excited about the book, but then you hide it and you don't want your parents to know that you have it. Right. So I had been very kind of scientific about my approach to everything and um, unlike my friends because I always felt the need to educate them about that. Where I come from, which is a small town in West Virginia, you know, I'm not sure if it's still like this now, but people were pretty sexually active pretty early. Mm -hmm. And at the time I didn't realize like just how young we all were. But now that I have children of my own and when I think about you know, my eight-year-old in only six years being sexually active, I want to barf. Right. But there were a hell of a lot of 14-year-olds and even younger having sex in my school. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just a thing that everybody did. Right. I don't think, I don't, I think that's the same everywhere, really. I mean, it's not that all 14-year-olds are, but there's enough that it's statistically significant. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I originally used um, just the, I know that I'm not ovulating now, it's okay kind of method. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was just based on math. You know, right. I did like the Counting cervical days. fluid thing I eventually did when I was older. Mm-hmm. But um, at the time... Like, going and getting condoms, I mean, my God, like, you just, like, that was, like, a huge event. Right. And where are you going to get them? Who are you going to know who's also at the right aid? You know what I mean? Like, like, how are you going to secure these things? Well, and affording them, because they aren't inexpensive, really. No. No, they're they're not. They're not. And... And how do you pick? How do you... Exactly. How do you know? Right. So it was mostly that, 
and then like the guys would have condoms right. eventually. And then I did, and I, and I looked up the facts to figure out exactly when it was taken off the market, but I did use the today sponge. Oh yes. And, and I, and I looked it up and it, I graduated from high school in 1993 and they removed it from the market in 94. Okay. So we could get that at the thrift drug, which was not the right aid that was convenient, but the thrift drug that was less convenient. Right. And they came, if I remember correctly, in like little packs of three. Hmm. There was a time when that was my main method of contraception. Right. Mm-hmm. And then didn't go on the pill till later and then have an IUD now, but I'm sure we'll get to those details. Yeah, yeah. So, um, growing up, I used abstinence <laughs> mostly, and it's interesting. If you go to the, um, Wikipedia page for birth control, which I will put in the links for the, on the show page, there's a really handy chart on the side that talks about typical use and perfect use results. Okay. So I would say, you know, I was using abstinence, typical use. Okay. Not I see. perfect use. That's that's awesome. <laughs> um, good enough use, let's put it that way. Until I got married, and then I I got the birth control pill. And okay. That's, and that's what I used until I got uh, until we decided to have kids. So I okay. used it for like twelve years or something. And then in between kids, we used what my obstetrician called pull and pray. Ah, yes. <laughs> Yes, I... Um, withdrawal I, yes. is the technical term for it. Yes. Codus interruptus. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, and condoms to some extent too, because you're supposed to go off the pill for a couple months before you actually try. So we use condoms yeah. in there too, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, my experience with the pill was similar, you know, I, and, and I, I realized that it made me kind of weird, like, like, it was funny because when I, I started it in college and I remember like it's a, like a conversation in the bathroom with my mom in late high school, like, you know, senior year, second part of the year. And I wanted to tell her, hey, maybe I should go on the pill. Mm -hmm. And I remember just feeling pretty nervous about that. And I knew she wouldn't take it well. And... I'm sure there was some kind of thing that I tried and, you know, to say something and it didn't go well. And I, I blocked it out, I guess. Yeah. I eventually did go on the pill, but it's always under that guise of, yeah. oh, let's regulate this young girl's period. She's having irregular periods. Let's, oh, and they're I so mean... irregular, which was a total lie because they were 28 days on the second <laughs> Since I started. But but such a worthwhile reason. Dear teenagers out there, if you're using typical use abstinence or, or <laughs> withdrawal, please use the irregular period lie to get on the pill. Yes, because, please. Because it is so worth it. That's not medical advice. That's that's social growing up advice. The pill gave me headaches and I didn't make the connection until... A few years into it but it would lay me out on the first day of my period or this day before I get my period so the way the pill works is you take a pill every day for three weeks and then you stop taking the pill 
and that's when you get your period the green just for ones. those of you yeah exactly or you can take right the sugar sugar pills in between just so that you keep up with the, the habit but you have to take it every day i think this is something that people who don't take the pill don't necessarily understand it's not that you take it yeah. if you're planning to have sex it's that you take it every day and then if you have sex you don't get pregnant but anyway so your hormones drop when you stop taking that pill and in many women it causes menstrual migraine headaches mm-hmm. i would be miserable a day one day a month and it was only when i went off it that i realized what an idiot i was for being on it for so long although it is a very yeah. practical way especially if you're getting it covered by insurance um, yes. it is a very practical form of birth control Indeed. And, and it was interesting because I didn't have the headaches, but I knew I wasn't myself and I felt just kind of weird. Mm -hmm. And again, similar to your experience, I didn't realize it until I went off. Right. When I was like, Oh, wait a minute. I actually feel more like, like me again. You know, like, and I've been on it for so long that I, I wasn't even sure who, you know, quote me was. Right. But I knew as soon as I stopped having that in my system that I was, I, I, I just, I felt like I could think more clearly, clearly, you know, it was, it was really strange. And I was also really bad about it too. And was constantly doubling up the next morning, mm. constantly yeah. would forget and would be like, crap, crap, crap. Yeah. And then, and then the thing is, if you take too many at one point, you can get sick. And I remember there would be like some kind of nausea that would set in on a day when I had taken two pills. Right. And I remember even when I was married at one point, like waking up in the middle of the night, having to remember that I had forgotten my pill and rushing down some carpeted steps and falling and, and like nearly oh. breaking my tailbone. Ow. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. terrible. And I had to like get one of those little donut pillows to sit on all because I had freaked out because I had forgotten my pill. That's a problem. So the injections and, and patches and implants they have today are much more reasonable for rather than having to remember daily. Although yeah. if you're yeah. not and somebody I've never who can any get... of those, I don't know if you have. I haven't. No, although I have friends who have and my friend who gets injections loves it partly because you don't get your period in between injections. So like you're down to instead of having your period monthly, you're having it quarterly, which wow, that would be wow. I would love that. It's almost yeah. I I think about maybe going on it. I now have my um tubes tied. Really? So, so I cannot get pregnant, but my period's a pain in the ass. That's a whole other show. But I think about maybe going on the injections just so that I don't get my period as often. But I'm hesitant because the pill gave me such a headache that I worry that I'll get those again if if I take the injections. And yeah. it's expensive. It's hundreds of dollars. And Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have always been hesitant to do that because, and then there was the other thing that was like the implant, like they stick it mm-hmm. in your arm, like the little sticks. And it's so weird. What's that called? Like Norplant or something? Sorry, that's probably not the correct name. Um, But I would not enjoy not having my period. So we'll table that conversation for the period period conversation. Yeah. You know, and but part of why 
I was always so educated about everything when I was younger was that I was just always fascinated with it. Right. And for like in sixth grade, when they have you like draw a little thing saying that you're going to be when you grow up. I mean, they do that all along. They start that when you're three, right? Yeah. But, but mine was OBGYN. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember feeling very proud that I knew the correct name. Totally. For which discipline I was going to study in medical school. Nice. And of course, I didn't do that. Right. That's but a big commitment. It, oh, seriously. So, and um, I would be an OBGYN. I'd be a midwife anyway. Uh, but yeah. nowadays. So tell me about I, your IUD. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Okay. So here's the, here's the deal with the IUD. IUDs to me were always like super mysterious and they always seemed very, very dangerous. And yes. right. they, that is exactly how I feel oh, about them. Too, okay. So. so I have, I've always, I used to get it out of the library, but I actually have my own copy of our bodies ourselves. And what I have is like, it's for the new century. And I think that this was probably published in the nineties. I remember when I got this, you know, the, the IUD information was positive, but did touch on the negatives. And the negatives were, you know, are part of, of popular culture, I would think. You know, like some of the, the horrific photos we've seen, like pre-Roe v. Wade. You know, like, or, or at least my popular culture. I guess I know that stuff, or I don't know. I guess I shouldn't assume that others do. But um, this is from 1998, the, the copy I have. It basically, like, shows all the different types of IUDs. And, you know, mm -hmm. this book is amazing and I have to recommend it to anyone listening. This will be the most frank information you can get in print about what's happening with your body. And I'm just eternally grateful for a lot of the information in here. You know, everybody, everybody reads what to expect when you're expecting. This right. is much more frank and direct when it comes to pregnancy and, and broader in yeah, topic as well. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's an amazing reference book. So I remember reading that and thinking, huh, well maybe IUDs aren't that bad. So how it went down is I was, I had Stuart, my, my first child in 2008 and was using the birth control method of I'm nursing full time people. No worries. <laughs> okay. So I was one of, quote, the lucky ones who did not get a period immediately. Like, I, right. I yes. didn't either. As long as I was yep. breastfeeding like two or three times a day, oh, yeah. no oh, period. Yeah. And yep. I was nursing constantly. And despite working full time, I was co-sleeping. I, you know, he was constantly nursing. So I didn't have a period for months and months and months and months. So Stu was like 14 months old. And I was still wow. believing that I was going to be fine. And then I remember when I started to realize that I probably was pregnant again. And I had my 14-month-old child there who was extremely attached. So my attached 14-month-old was still nursing and I remember like terrible pain and that was like my first sign. I went to my midwives and they're like, yep, yep, you're pregnant again. Of course, I'd taken like five different tests here. And yeah. uh, when they confirmed it and found the heartbeat and everything, 
my midwives being the wonderful women they are, said, after this baby, let's consider an IUD. And of course, I'm like, oh, my God, I would never do that. You know, like I was so like freaked out about it. And, you know, because you like read stories about like they would use that like a stone in a camel's uterus in the in the desert. And like that, that, oh, oh, I'll have to find a reference for that. But like that was my like my connotation that I had. Right. But stone in in a camel's uterus is how they prevented the camels from getting pregnant. That that is the origins of the IUD. Wow. wow see yes amazing see and iud's i mean even if you don't read the horror stories about mm-hmm. them they seem magical they are- like how is that possible so here is it for those who don't know here's sort of the non-scientific non-medical description of what happens there's this small device t-shaped that gets inserted into the uterus and it irritates it just enough to prevent any any kind of potential zygote and i may be using the wrong term there from implanting because it it, yeah it makes it enough of a hostile environment and it does this with or without hormone by the way you can get them with or without uh hormones the ones without have copper in them i believe and and they're very very effective like as effective as the pill or just about anything else you can take and you can't screw them no, up No, you can't like you don't forget to take anything you don't forget doctor's appointments it just yes works. and I remember asking my midwife because I have what's called a paragard which is a non-hormonal copper IUD that has a 10 year expiration date so I don't need another one until like 2018 and 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 the best part about it like yes it is it's worry free for sure and I remember asking my midwife because there there's another one on the market called the Mirena and that's the low dose hormone one which releases like localized hormones I I was so averse to the idea of any kind of hormones that I knew that I didn't want that and then she's telling me about the Paragard, and I'm like, well, why would you do anything else if it's going to have the same kind of efficacy? It, it's going to work the same way. And, yeah. and I said, so why does the copper one work? And she looked at me and said, to be honest, Kate, nobody knows. Right. Yes, but it works, right. but it works. And, and the procedure was fine. It was no big deal putting it in. There's like these little like strings that like feels it feels like fishing line that like stick out and, and cause my midwives are amazing. I mean, they're like, look at your beautiful cervix and they'll give me a mirror. You know what I mean? It's so good. And so she was, she showed me the device before she put it in. She said, well, here it is. And I'm going to do this to make the T part come out, et cetera. And then she said, these, the, the fishing line that you see coming off of that, I'm going to clip that. And then you're going to come back in a month and you're going to tell me, is did I clip it short enough or mm-hmm. is it too long and it's bothering you and your partner? So, but what the deal is, is, yeah, they put, they put it in, they clip the strings to, to the, the length of their best guess, and then you go off on your way and then you figure out, like, 
is my partner getting like poked by these, etc. But they have to leave right. them there enough so they can pull it out in 10 years. Right. But they do soften up just with your body, like your body softens oh. them. And I think she did clip them slightly, but then monthly I am to check to make sure I can still feel the strings because, you know, even though it is highly unlikely, they still want you to just kind of make sure, you know, it's still there. Right. But yeah, I have had no problems. I mean, it's, I mean, the only thing, my periods are a little bit different after them and slightly crampier, but I don't Hmm. know if it's because I'm almost 40. You know what I mean? Well, that's her. Thing, it's, right? It might be just me being yeah. almost 40. So much changed with my period after I have kids. And I do not know whether it's right because I'm not on the pill for yeah. the first time, basically, in my adult life. Or because it's something about how my body changed after childbirth. Yep. Or if it's the fact that, yeah, I'm in my 40s and, and things are different. So who knows? Yeah. Maybe I have cancer. Oh, I think that every day. Like, <laughs> Every day, every day. And you know what? I recently had an IUD related like scare, I guess, because Mm -hmm. I, um, and listening audience, please do not take this story to mean that you should not get an IUD because you should. I have, I was traveling for work and was really sick and felt pregnant just because it was the kind of nausea that I had. And I was convinced that something had happened with my IUD. So I walk into the ER and I'm like, you need to give me a pregnancy test immediately. Um, I have an IUD. I understand that if I am pregnant, um, you will remove that IUD. And usually that terminates a pregnancy. However, mm. I need to know this immediately. And they were everybody was cool and nothing was fine. Right. But I did get an ultrasound like just last week um, when I was in the ER for the same reason, just this nausea. And I got to see it. I got to see my IUD in there, and I said to the technician, cool. I said, can you show me? And she goes, well, you know, only if you don't tell. And I'm like, what is this? Because I'm so used <laughs> to my midwives who are like, look at everything. You want to review your chart? Sure. What's your weight? Write it down. We're not weighing you. You know what I mean? I'm used yeah. to all that trust and transparency. Yeah. So, but she... Hospitals and oh, lawyers. And... Oh, So she turns yeah. the screen around and shows me. And it's just this little rod. And she said, oh, I wish I had some students here now because your IUD looks perfect. <laughs> I love it when they, they tell you I that. Oh, you're, you're, everything looks great. Yeah, but I feel like I shit. know. And it was funny because she had this thing in there and she was like, you're going to hear a sound right now. That sound is not a heartbeat. And I'm like, oh, thank God. And she goes, I have been in situations where the technician does not tell the patient that and the patient Mm. hears that because the patient has been pregnant before and starts to cry, either for positive or negative reasons. Right. For what? Just emotional. Like I didn't what like what? Yeah. Oh, tell me about sponge. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. So um, the deal with the sponge, I've been thinking about it in preparation for this for this conversation. If I remember correctly, the little pack of three, which I believe was about 10 bucks, you would remove it from its packaging. I think you had to like wet it down under a sink and like squeeze it. And and the whole thing itself was tinier than you thought it was going to be like a tiny Mm. little white pillow with a little dimple in the center. 
and you would put it under the running water and like squeeze it, which was to activate mm-hmm. the spermicide. It's this little white pillow that has a tiny tab on the side and you would fold the little pillow and insert it and have to make sure that the little pillow was like covering your entire cervix, which, you know, being like 15, 16, I was unsure, but I, I knew, right. and you're like, wait a minute, how can this thing, even though it's tiny, it's, it's like two inches across. Like, how is this going to work? I love how you attribute your not sureness to being 15 or 16. Really, as a 39-year-old, how would you know for sure? Exactly. Exactly. Because because I know that my cervix is who knows where at any point, tipped backwards, forwards, whatever. And then how do you know it's going to be completely covered? And the number of people, like, I mean, I learned something about my anatomy just yesterday. How many people actually have an accurate view of what their internals look exactly. like. Exactly. Like given the amount of interaction we have with that part of our body, I think most of us know very little about very it. Very little. And I mean the only reason why I have sort of a of a roadmap, you know, to use a project management term, I mean, is yeah. because my midwives are like, look at your happy cervix. You know what I mean? And I understand right. that my happy cervix is this little pink thing with a little darker pink dot in the center. Most of the time I think of my uterus, cervix, vagina as sort of being in this straight line oh, yeah. Yeah. Up, up and down. And it, it is, is not. not in any way, in any right. way. And I mean, and the other day when I was getting this ultrasound, I was like, tell me about my ovaries. Where are they? How can a doctor feel? How can anyone feel them? And the the woman was like, it's more like an almond, like a floating almond. And I'm like, how do you even? I know. How do they feel it? It's weird. It's so weird. I just push on my belly and I just feel... I feel belly. There's there's no organs in there. No, no, there's not a little thing. I was like... Okay, because I'm always trying because you see those like diagrams and you see the uterus and then the fallopian tubes and then those like mystical fingers that float there and then the little ovary, tiny, tiny ovary. And I want to find out like what fruit or nut it really is in scale to, (laughs) you know what I mean? I mean, and I I don't know if, if almond is is actually like to scale or if it's almond shaped. And it's more like, say, I don't know, a pumpkin seed, you know, in, well, you know, she was describing it that way in terms of the nut, but then my, like my mental image is just like this, like squishy stuff kind of floating around, you know, right. But, but knowing that they're not attached to anything, I think just adds to the mystery. I want to pause for a sponsor. Excellent. I would like to thank Campaign Monitor for sponsoring, I guess we're grown-ups now. We talk about Campaign Monitor a lot on goodstuff.fm. We prefer them instead of other email companies because of the quality of their product and the amazing people that work on it. Not only has Campaign Monitor enabled us to create newsletters that are beautiful, but working with them is fun and hearing about new features is exciting. If you need to set up a newsletter for yourself or a client, Campaign Monitor is the way to go. Their user interface is easy to navigate, and you can get your clients the tools they need to create and send newsletters that get them more involved with their customers. Go to campaignmonitor.com and get started today. Thanks to Campaign Monitor for supporting good stuff, and I guess we're grown-ups now. 
part of why IUDs are divisive or derisive, mm-hmm. either sieve, is that they they can be perceived as abortive. And some right. people think that if conception occurs and if it is of the belief that conception occurs at the point of sperm burrowing its way into that egg, that that life then is the potential life. And right. They should not yes, use IUDs. Yes, people who, who believe that and have those feelings may be uncomfortable with using an IUD. And I right. wanted to add that because my midwife said to me, she goes, oh, well, you know, most people have, you know, what, what you know, if we tested it would, would have been, you know, a, a, I can't remember the word she used. She didn't use the word pregnancy at all, but she used mm-hmm. maybe um, a zygote, but she didn't use that. It was another word. Anyway, she said, you would right. have that every couple months, you know? Right. And I was like, what? Because technically at some point, uh, sperm may penetrate yes. uh, one of your ova. Yes, yes. And it may be yes. making its way down the fallopian tube highway, ready to implant itself, and then get right. to the hostile environment that is my uterus right. with the IUD. So a very pregnancy. sensitive pregnancy test would yes. sense that yes. and go, yes, you are yes. pregnant. Yes, or... I am actually thinking, though, that a you could you can't even get that sensitive because I believe the the hormones that are detected via the test, even the p test, are not produced until implantation occurs. Ah, uh, right. Yes, yeah, so like you would have to have a microscope and like a camera in there, like like, like you're right. on an episode of Nova. <laughs> It's Schrodinger's yes. baby. Yes, get it, Nova, Ova, Nova. Nova. Dude, that's the worst pun. <laughs> no, I have I have the worst pun. Okay, go, up, go, 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 so. go. Do you think there are any misconceptions out there about birth control? Indeed, I do, Carrie. <laughs> I believe that um, I believe several things, and this is going to come off as a bit of a manifesto. I believe. <laughs> That not only should everyone in society, everyone, just accept the fact that our young, attractive children are going to be exploring things. And should we not wish to have even younger, attractive grandchildren, that we should just be honest and say, listen, kids, my discussion that I'm having with you does not condone whatever you're doing, but I understand that you're going to want to do it. And I understand that shit happens. And I understand that you're in love. And I understand mm-hmm. all of this because I've been there, kids. And. <clears throat> You always have to clear your throat when you're on this soapbox. I really, I really think that just people being more honest about stuff. One of the things that I love is right now, the whole religion thing is another episode, but 
I go to a Unitarian Universalist church and we have a program called the Our Whole Lives Sexuality Program. And what we do with that is uh, children as young as first and second grade go through a separate program and separate from our religious education that we have that is sexuality and body comfort awareness. My son, who's in, who was in second grade at the time, went through the Younger Kids OWL program, and it's great because that's the acronym OWL. His OWL program was age-appropriate, and the last lesson was a child-appropriate story of conception. The beautiful thing is that the religious education coordinator said here, before any of the classes started, there was a parents' meeting. During this parents' meeting, we went around the room and, and shared our misconceptions about sex. And, you know, you were supposed to share, like, okay, if you had done this when you were in second grade, how would your life be different? Mm-hmm. And because anybody who's signing up their kids for this class obviously wants their kids to know this stuff. And then she shared with us the last lesson in the curriculum and said, there are two versions of this lesson, one that is more explicit and one that is less explicit. If anyone in this room would prefer that we use the slightly less explicit version of this story for the class, let me know privately and we will use that. Nice. So... It was perfect. It was that is good sex ed. That is good sex Mm -hmm. ed. Not those terrible, you know, reels. (laughs) Not that it's hygiene time bullshit. You know what I mean? It it was it was very very good. And when I was in college, I was a bit of an evangelist for sex ed and protection on campus and I was part of a small renegade group of people who were sanctioned by the health department there on campus to pass out condoms Mm -hmm. and I had them with me all the time and we would sit in the student union with a big fishbowl full of condoms take them nice you know what I mean? And it wasn't like, oh, this is weird. But you don't have to go to whatever, you know, tiny little drugstore in New Wilmington. And deal with the social anxiety of buying. No, yeah. no, no, no. It was free. It was there. The college paid for it. I was proud of nice. my college because it was like it. it Westminster is like a Presbyterian school and it was cool. You know what I mean? And I was so proud of them. And I remember like a friend of mine named Sherry and we're friends on Facebook now and I need to contact her to tell her to listen to this because she was the best. And she was like the one who would get up in front of those freshmen and be like, let me tell you something. I knew a girl in high school who had genital warts on her face. And and everybody was like, she was amazing. She was so amazing. I was a little more of like the good cop during that. She was like Sipowitz. Did you read, there's this article that uh, came out. I got it through a woman named Tracy Chow on Twitter. Um, St. Louis is giving out or ran a program of giving out free birth control to teens good. and absolutely demolished their abortion rate. Oh, like it just plummeted. Believe- Providing birth control to kids isn't about promoting them having sex it's about 
promoting them taking control of their lives in many, many, many ways. It's empowering. I lived the abstinence youth, Mm -hmm. but I would not promote it for my kids. And, and I don't know, I guess there are people who would, but I don't buy it. I don't, I don't. Having been a very horny 15 year old, having been around hornier friends and dudes and parties and we're going to sneak out of the house and this one guy has a hot tub you know what I mean like that stuff happens and I mean and you know earlier when I was stepping onto my soapbox it was like oh I don't condone your behavior it's it's not that it's like I understand that your behavior is going to be what behavior is of developing humans of your age However, you know, I encourage you to make good choices. I encourage you to think about this thoughtfully. My only ask is educate yourself and protect yourself. Well, right. We don't put our kids in cars, give them their license at 16, put them in cars and tell them, well, you don't, I'm not going to tell you about the seatbelt because you won't get into a car accident. Oh, I love, I love that analogy. I was trying to think of an analogy with a Band-Aid, but I like the seatbelt one better. What is the best thing about being a grown-up? Oh, my goodness. The best thing... Oh, that's such a good question, Carrie. I I think, like, an awareness of of the changes. You know, like, I've noticed about myself over the last several years that, that once it becomes October in Western PA... I, I have this like mood change, you know, it's, it's like, Hmm. it's the seasonal affective disorder, but in the good way where I, I'm, I'm in a good mood. And like, I think it was three Octobers ago that I was wondering why there was like a a spring in my step, literally, like I I was so Hmm. happy and I thought, ah, it's because it's so beautiful here. And Mm -hmm. I don't think I could have noticed that if I weren't a grown up, you know, like, mm. like, as you get older, like, you know how when, when everybody would be like, oh, time flies, you know, it just goes so fast. It's, it's Christmas before you know it. And it, and it does like the, the years do seem to speed up. You know, the days are long, the years are short or whatever, but I don't think I would have that self-awareness mm. if, if I were not a grown up now, because I was always, yeah, I've always been reflective and uh, pensive in my own very talkative way, you know. But but I think just having that awareness and and being able to find the words for it, uh, that's the that's what I've gotten the older I've I've grown. What do you think is the worst thing oh, about being God. a grown up? The worst thing is all of that awareness. Hmm. <laughs> the worst thing is the I've seen this before. This this is history repeats itself. I cannot prevent this situation from happening because even though I have this awareness and I am better prepared to handle it and I have more tools at my disposal to try to prevent it, I can't, you know, it's probably going to go down anyway. And I guess I'm saying that, like, just thinking about, like, 
like my job stuff or or mm-hmm. even with the kids you know what I mean it's like I, yeah. I it, it's just like you're like oh man I know better I've seen it I've been here you know right. and you still can't you stop can't, it still can't stop and, it even yeah. even though we as humans and parents and professionals try every time you still it, mm-hmm. and, and to me I've got to still try you know what I mean I, I see you know this the storm cloud a coming and I and I still hunker down but I hunker down smartly and I shake my fist, you know, because right. I guess it's more fist shaking makes it sound like I'm not like doing something active, but you know what I mean? Like I still try to, to tell others. Right. And I guess, um, part of being an adult is figuring out what is the most effective yes. thing to do or not do in those situations. Yes. yes recognizing what you're in control of and what you're not in control of and what to do when you're not in control. Yes, that's such a good way to put it. That's that's a perfect way to articulate that, that feeling. Yeah. Do you have any closing thoughts about birth control or anything else adulthood related? Uh, go on birth control. Parenting is yet another subject for another conversation. Mm. But um, I want to encourage anyone out there, if you're on the fence about kids don't have kids good advice i want to have a whole episode with somebody who's chosen not oh my to God. have kids I might about have... the beauty of their decision i may have someone for you um we'll talk about that be smart about it read the books because even mm. if you know it's not about like i'm making i need to research what the best birth control method is for me you know i mean have you ever read the joy of cooking oh goodness this this cookbook it is a cookbook, but it has it's written in such a beautiful way. There's like a, a certain style of, of conversational writing that is informative, is indeed nonfiction, but has mm. that like personal tone. The joy of cooking has that, and so does our bodies ourselves. So you know, regardless of whether anyone is using it as a as a resource or a reference tool, um, reading it is an enjoyable experience. And if I were to recommend a good book, I would recommend Our Bodies Ourselves. Yes, use use birth control. Do not have kids if you do not want kids. And be open with yourself and with your partners about it. Don't try to hide things. Because if you find yourself hiding something when it comes to preventing a pregnancy, that both of you will be responsible for, you know, then, then that, mm-hmm. that's not cool. That's not cool in any way. Whether or not it's like you're the one who wants a kid and somebody else doesn't want a kid, no. You know what I mean? The, no. the, something is misaligned. Examine that. But at the same time, be frank about your desire to prevent or not prevent whatever may occur from your relationship. And uh, sorry, that was like a weird euphemism for for a kid. <laughs> Where can people find you on the oh, internet? Oh, on the internet. Huh. A couple different places, Carrie. Um, I am on the internet um, on Twitter. I'm Tiki Kate. And that, that username has a really long story that's kind of funny. But anyway. We'll do a whole podcast about oh. origins of handles I, I love it i love it okay so tiki kate 
And also, I have a website, and it is my name. It's Kate Daly, but the dot for it is not katedaily.com. That is some other girl. I think she's a potter, and that's cool because she's a cool person. It is katedaly.ly. So like bit.ly has the .ly extension, so does my website. Thank you for being here and for talking about this, what could be totally sensitive topic in such a honest and open way. Oh, thanks. This was wonderful and refreshing. Thank you so much. And that's, I guess, for grownups now about birth control. Again, links for this episode are at goodstuff.fm slash grownups slash five. Thanks for joining us.